This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll The year was 1989, and Yoav Eitam had just arrived in New York City from Israel, having served in the IDF and been injured in war, and he felt that he would have a brighter future in the United States, since he had heard that there was so much money to be made in America. And just like the immigrants that came in the early 1900s, Yoav soon discovered that the streets of New York were not lined with gold, as he had thought. And as hard as he tried, it was impossible for him to get a job. Because every time he saw a sign that said, Help Wanted, and he went inside and applied for a job, the first thing they asked him is, Do you have a green card? And every time he had to say no. It wasn't long before the small amount of money that Yoav had brought with him to America soon ran out, and he was forced to start sleeping on benches in Central Park. Every day, he would get up in the morning, go to more stores that had a sign saying help wanted outside, ask for a job, and they would ask him, do you have a green card? And he would have to say no. He'd spend the rest of the day asking people for food or money, and then at night, he slept on a park bench in Central Park. One night, when he was falling asleep on a park bench, a priest who had gone around regularly in Central Park tapped Yoav on the shoulder and he said to him, do you drink? And Yoav said no. Do you do drugs? And Yoav said no. In that case, the priest said, Come with me. You can eat in our soup kitchen, and you can spend the night in our shelter. And that was the first time that Yoav went to sleep with a full stomach, having taken a fresh shower and slept in a bed with sheets in many, many weeks. In the morning, the priest was there, and he met Yoav and greeted him warmly. And Yoav started telling his story to the priest, how he had come from Israel, served on the IDF, been injured, and he had hoped that in America, being the land of opportunity, He would be able to make a living and maybe even make a lot of money. And he told the priest, I'm not afraid of hard work, but I don't have a green card and no one will hire me. So the priest said to him, I'm going to call some Jewish organizations and see if any of them can help you. In the meantime, he gave him a $20 bill and he said, go out and see what kind of work you can find. And each morning when Yoav woke up, he would ask the priest if he found a Jewish organization that could help him. And each day the priest told him that none of them were able to help Yoav. Most of them said, Tell him to go back to Israel. He's Israeli. He doesn't belong here. We can't help him. And then every day, the priest would give Yoav another $20 and encourage him to look for a job. And then one morning, the priest told Yoav, you know, there's only one Jewish organization left in the phone book for me to call. It's the National Committee for the Furtherance of Jewish Education. And I'm going to give them a call right now. But if they tell me, like every other Jewish organization that I've called, that they can't help you, Yoav, I'd like to give you an offer. If you convert to Christianity, I promise you that within six months, I will have you a green card and a job. So the priest called up the office of the National Committee for the Furtherance of Jewish Education, which was in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and was put through to Rabbi J.J. Hecht, the founder and executive director of the NCFJE. And the priest told Rabbi Hecht, 
Rabbi, I have one of your boys here in our church. He's an Israeli with no money and no job. And every other organization that I've called in the phone book told me they can't help him. What about you? Can you help him? And the rabbi said, You tell him to wait for me outside of the church. I'll be there in 15 minutes. As Rabbi Hecht ran out of the office, he shouted to his secretary to cancel all of his appointments for the rest of the day. He jumped into his car and took off for the address of the church in Manhattan as quickly as he could. He stopped his car with a screech, parking on the sidewalk right in front of the steps of the church. And he ran up the steps of the church where Yoav was waiting with the priest. And Yoav turns to the rabbi and says, I need a green card. And Rabbi Hech said to him, You need a neshama. You need a soul. And Yoav said, I don't care about you, rabbi. The church is promising me a green card within six months if I convert. So Rabbi Hech said to him, I'll get you one in three months. So Yoav turns to the priest and he says, Thank you for all your help, but I'm going with the rabbi. He's got a better deal for me. So Yoav gathered up the few belongings he had and got into the rabbi's car, which was still parked on the sidewalk. And when they arrived back in the office in Crown Heights, Rabbi Hech said to Yoav, Anything you need, anytime you need it, you come to me. And then Rabbi Hecht introduced Yoav to some of his sons, and he said, These are my sons, and now you are like another one of my twelve children. Over the next few days, Rabbi Hecht found Yoav an apartment and a job. And every week or so, Yoav would inquire about the green card. And Rabbi Hecht would tell him, I'm working on it. And one day, Yoav arrived at the office looking for Rabbi Hecht. And the secretary told Yoav gently that Rabbi Hecht had passed away the week before. And after Yoav got over the initial shock, he said, But how am I going to get my green card now? And the secretary just shrugged his shoulders. He didn't know what to say. And you might think that the story ends here, but my friends, it doesn't. Rabbi Hecht in his lifetime helped thousands and thousands of people. And soon thereafter, Yoav got engaged to a woman who had been working in a kitty corner preschool in Brooklyn Heights. Her name was Alba. And Alba said to her boss, Rabbi Aaron Lebraskin, to officiate the wedding. And the rabbi happily agreed. And then Yoav was invited to come meet the rabbi so we'd get to know him. And during their meeting, Yoav told a story, speaking lovingly and respectfully about Rabbi J.J. Hecht and how Rabbi Hecht had saved him from the church, not just physically, but also spiritually. And that's when Rabbi Raskin said to Yoav that he was Rabbi Hecht's grandson. When Yoav heard this, he got extremely excited, and even more so that this was the rabbi who was going to perform their wedding. But not only that, when Rabbi Raskin heard that Yoav still didn't have his green card, he told him that as Rabbi Hech's grandson, it was his obligation to make sure that Yoav would get his green card. And since he was a person that had a lot of energy, very much in the style of his grandfather, Rabbi Raskin was able to get Yoav a better job and even volunteered to be a sponsor for his green card, which he got and thus fulfilled the final promise of his grandfather, Rabbi J.J. Hecht. So I've got one more story for you, my sweetest friends, and I really like this one. 
a chassid of Rabbi Mordechai of Lechovich, whose name was Reb Meir, had a business partner who was a misnagid named Reb Gershon. And no matter how many times Reb Meir asked his misnagid business partner to come visit the Rebbe, Reb Mordechai, Reb Gershon would say, what do I need a Rebbe for? I mean, it's just another rabbi. And there's rabbis all over the place. And I don't believe in rabbis or tzaddikim or miracle workers anyhow. I'm a misnagid for a reason. I believe in practical things. Not bubam, I say. But Mayor didn't give up. Constantly said to Reb Gershon, you gotta come see the Rebbe, you gotta come see the Rebbe. And on one of his many visits to the Rebbe, Reb Mayor finally convinced Reb Gershon to come. And the entire time, Reb Gershon was sticking with his business partner, Reb Mayor, until eventually, the tzaddik, the Rebbe, Reb Mordechai, he came to his table and started eating. And Reb Mayor noticed that his misnagisher partner was completely captivated by the Rebbe as he was simply eating. And so Reb Meir said to his business partner, Tell me, Gershon, what did you see in the Rebbe that fascinated you so much? And the Misnagid said to him, I saw that Tzadik eats with such sanctity, with such kedusha, that it's like watching the high priest eating the sacrifices on the Temple Mount in ancient times. He kept shaking his head and he said, I never saw anything like it. Your Rebbe is a true Tzadik. He's a true tzaddik, I tell you. Now, Reb Meir, he'd been coming to his Rebbe for many, many years. He'd been a chassid for such a long time. And he never saw the Rebbe like the high priest on the Temple Mount. So he went to his Rebbe and he said, Rebbe, I don't understand. I'm your chassid. I've been coming to you for years and years and years. And the first time my misnagged business partner is here, he gets the schut, the privilege of seeing you like the high priest on the Temple Mount. Well, me who comes here all the time, I don't get to see the same things. The Rebbe said to him, Mayor, Mayor, you don't understand. Your business partner, Reb Gershon, he's a misnagid, so he has to see with his eyes. But you, Mayor, you are a chassid, and you have to believe it in your heart. Ah, what it is to have a Rebbe that teaches us what it is to be a chassid. I lie, I lie, I lie, 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 Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. If you don't know, I have another podcast. 
It doesn't get as much attention as the Hasidic Story Project, but I really enjoy producing it. It's called Jewish People and Ideas, where I have conversations with Jewish thought leaders and writers. And recently, I had a conversation with former Knesset member Dove Lipman. Here's a short preview of our conversation. Dove Lipman is a former member of Knesset from the Yeshatid party and the first American-born member of Knesset to be elected to Knesset in 30 years. He became well-known in Israel for his role in combating religious extremism in Beit Shemesh. He's the author of seven books about Judaism in Israel and a sought-after international speaker. I sat down with Dove in his home in Beit Shemesh to discuss the American-Israeli Jewish relationship the integration of Haredim in Israel, the liberal movements in the Kotel, why the state of Israel matters to American Jews, dismantling the Rabbanut, the Jewish religious authority in the state of Israel, and much more. As a person who's become a bridge between American Jews and Israeli Jews, how do you explain to American Jews, Israelis, and Israelis, American Jews? I definitely feel a need to explain both. Americans come to Israel and they see the roughness and the gruffness that exists in their initial encounters oftentimes with Israelis, and very much turned off by it, very scared by it, actually sometimes intimidated by it. And I very much use the example of the Sabra fruit, which is the the sharpness and the gruffness on the outside, but so soft and wonderful on the inside. And I always explain that if you have the patience to get past that initial roughness, which is so foreign to Americans, Americans who grew up with, you pass someone who say, good morning, how are you? And, and people who wish each other have a wonderful day. And that is what people in America are used to. But I think it's very s- surface level in America. And here, if you get past that initial uh, external toughness, you'll find such brotherly and sisterly love and such sincere care and, and, and a real deep connection. Uh, that people feel one to the other, and you just have to have that patience to get through it. And it's a very, it's a cultural phenomenon in Israel. On the flip side, uh, Israelis don't have any understanding of of American Jewry. Uh, they don't understand what Israeli Jews have to do at all with American Jews or Jews in diaspora altogether. They're even on a certain level confused and befuddled by wh- what is this connection that they feel to Israel. And I feel a strong need to try to explain to them how much Israel means to them. It's not just on an economic level where they certainly support huge numbers of institutions in Israel and you drive around Israel and you see ambulances of Magin David Adom with the names of the families in America or elsewhere in the diaspora that donated those ambulances. And it's not even limited to the lobbying on Capitol Hill and the administration and even local leaders on behalf of Israel. But there is a deep value-based connection because Jews around the world want to feel that Israel is their home and is the Jewish state both for people who live in Israel and those who don't live in Israel. And that's the gap which I feel I often have to try to close for Israeli Jews to understand about American Jewry and their connection to Israel. And then we were talking before, Israelis go on programs to meet American Jews. And what do they discover? Yeah, so there's various organizations, and even in the Knesset, they brought members of Knesset to meet American Jewry. They bring media personalities, anyone who they view as some, someone who has an influence to meet American Jewry. They are shocked by a few things. 
they, they are shocked by how deep the passion goes for Israel. I recall numerous times marching down Fifth Avenue with the Israeli delegation, the Knesset delegation. So for me, it's normal to see American Jewry so excited about Israel, but they are in total shock that thousands upon thousands of people are lining Fifth Avenue and waving flags and so uh, loving uh, towards Israel. And they have to understand what that's all about and that that is from this deep desire for a connection to the Jewish state. But there's also just an opening to American Jewry in general, where you have so many different streams and approaches and even, you know, within the yeshivas and within the modern orthodoxy and then with conservative and reform. And they all are part of the fabric of American Jewry as opposed to in Israel, where it's pretty much there's religious and there's secular and there's very little intermingling between the two. And now all of a sudden they see a whole new element of, of what American Jewry is all about. And one of the things which I try to show them is what I truly believe, which is that Israel, from my perspective, is very much at the heart of the key to the survival of diaspora Jewry. Uh, there needs to be something which excites them about Judaism and needs to be something which unifies them about Judaism because they are so different in every other way. And I do believe that Israel really can be that glue, and Israel can also be that inspiration where they feel like there's something I want to be active about for the Jewish people. To hear the rest of this conversation, either do a search wherever you listen to podcasts from my name, Barack Holman, B-A-R-A-K-H-U-L-L-M-A-N, or go to my website, jewishpeopleideas.com. That's three words all together, jewishpeopleideas.com, and you can listen to the podcast there. Thank you for listening, my friends.